Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the Monday Scramble podcast. We're going to get to a special guest here in just a second. Don't want to give it away. want to set it up a little bit. Um, you know, don't want to give away all the nice details off the top. But, you know, everybody, for the last three or four years, we knew how big of a, a year 2016 was going to be in golf. It was going to be a, a big deal. The Olympics was here, the Ryder Cup. It was going to change the schedule. Everybody knew that it was a big year. And while the year is not over, the biggest stuff of the year is over and so we're going to bring in rich Lerner right now the man who has been at every big event this year for golf channel and really every big event for golf channel over the last 20 years on golf central golf channel li live from rich Lerner. you know him you love him richie how you doing buddy jc i'm doing great i'm back in my hometown oh nice. allentown allentown pennsylvania can never get Visiting, home enough can you yeah you know what home is just the greatest and <laughs> Arnold talked about that so much. I'm a Pennsylvania guy through and through, and I made an immediate detour to the Brass Rail, yep. possibly the greatest cheesesteaks on the planet. The original cheesesteak uh, goes back 75 years, so that was last night. I'll go to Sal's for, I think, some of the best pizza in the world. Uh, best lunchtime today. <laughs> I'll probably drive by my dad's uh, old range, which is no longer. Yep. Uh, like every other strip of land in the United States, there's a Carabas and a Dunkin' Donuts and a Kinko's <laughs> and whatever whatever else goes in a strip mall. And I'll reflect on the early days of Dorneyville Golf Center, which is on uh, uh, just off of Cedar Crest Boulevard in, in Allentown. There's a, there's a story behind that. I don't know if people have heard it. And it, it relates to Arnold. So mid-1950s, my dad's late 20s, uh, loved golf, was about a 10 handicap. Uh, he and three of his buddies used to go play up in the Poconos, where, by the way, Arnold uh, met Winnie at mm -hmm. the old Fred Waring Pocono Pro-Am. Winnie was from Coopersburg, Pennsylvania, which is not far from Allentown, maybe 15, 20 minutes. But anyway, my dad and his buddies were driving back, and I guess there was a, a, a like a par three uh, on the way home in the East Stroudsburg area. And they thought, wow, that looks kind of cool. Maybe we could do something like that in Allentown. And they didn't have a proverbial pot to pee in mm -hmm. at the time. You know, these were three guys you know, with families looking to make it. And somehow they cobbled together the money and they opened uh, the golf center. Now, my dad was a really good entrepreneur, no longer with us, rest in peace, Pop. But he had this idea that he would ask Arnold Palmer to put his name on this new venture. 
And maybe if it went well, they'd have a string of Arnold Palmer golf centers because Arnie was rising. And when my father found out Arnold's asking price to put his name on this new venture, Dorneyville Golf Center was born. Wow. It was named, <laughs> named for the little borough on the edge of town. I never failed to remind Arnold that he always had a good laugh. And then when I was a kid growing up in Allentown, we always heard, I was born in 1960, we had always heard about Arnold's exploits at our local municipal course, Allentown Municipal, which is where I'm sitting right now, the coffee shop is, is about a, a quarter of a mile to my right. It was a really good public course. In its day, Allentown Municipal was called the Monster. It was a par 73. It was over 7,000 yards. It was really long. Arnold came to play an exhibition with Gary Player, and Arnold shot 61. This was in 1963, I want to say. I'd have to check. 60, early 60s. Arnold shot 12 under 61, and the headline in the paper the next day was, The Monster is Dead. <laughs> and so I'd always heard about that story, and Arnold remembers it, as all great players remember their finest rounds. Uh, he remembered it uh, well into his 80s. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be home, JC. It's nice and cool. It's a beautiful fall day. And, uh, I love it. That's beautiful. That That is beautiful. Well, let's look. Let, I think we got to stay on. We got to stay on, Arnie. Um, you know, you've told the story beautifully about uh, how your mother told you to, to get your ass down here and take this job. <laughs> with uh, Because if Arnold's name was on it, then you better get down here. And that's... That's paid off. That's paid off in spades for you, I would say. Um, but let's talk, you know, look, you've been on our air for so much. Um, after he passed, Golf Channel was on for 23 hours, and you were on for a heck of a lot of those. That rolled right into the Ryder Cup. And then after the Ryder Cup, we rolled back into the memorial service. So just sort of a little inside baseball stuff here, Richie. Just what it's like to go on air and a little behind-the-scenes stuff, just be yeah. able to sit there and just the whole package, trying to well, keep it together uh, and you know, battle the emotions while yeah. while kind of kind of doing your job. Just kind of take us through some of that. All right. Well, I'll, I'll share with you, JC. Uh, I had a file. And it was it was just like a, a blue uh, binder that I tie, I called Arnie. And all the stories, notes articles I'd collected through the years and put it in this binder in anticipation of the day that we all dreaded, nobody mm -hmm. wanted to really face. But in our business, as you know, mm -hmm. um, it's something you have to consider with all the, the great players. How are you going to treat them and the story when they're no longer with us? <clears throat> it's very common in our business, right? In the newspaper business, television business, to prepare okay for that eventuality really for the last two years every time i went to cover a tournament i'd look at it on my desk at home and i uh, yeah you should bring it but you never think it's going to happen mm -hmm. right but i always brought it stuffed it in my suitcase and traveled with arnie and we were at a restaurant in eden prairie minnesota sunday night before the Ryder cup Flew in Sunday. We begin live firms on Monday, about seven o'clock Central Time, having dinner uh, with a colleague. And he looks at his phone and he says, uh, "There's a rumor that Arnold passed." 
I obviously got my attention. And he said, well, you know, maybe it's just a rumor. Sure. 30 minutes later, I believe it was Alex Maselli mm-hmm. uh, had confirmed the report that Arnold had died. So uh, we hustled. We got out of the restaurant. <clears throat> I hadn't shaved. I was in my jeans. I ran back to the courtyard Marriott, which was five minutes away, put a suit on, uh, cleaned up, shaved. I got in the car, and our producer, Matt Hegarty, was out at Hazeltine National. Fortunately, our set was already operational. It was a big setup, but they had all the lighting, and the desk was ready to go. And he said, how far away are you? I said, well, the GPS says we're 12 minutes. He says, you're on TV in 15 minutes. <laughs> so we raced. <clears throat> uh, Adam Herzog, my colleague, literally dropped me off with a runner who was waiting with a cart. And we made the five-minute cart ride to, to the set up by the clubhouse. And I sat down. There was a makeup person there, quick uh, touch-up. And lights came on, and away we went. I made the announcement. It was in the teleprompter, again, prepared. It was a, a brief statement, and I tossed to a piece that had already been done right. uh, by Jimmy Roberts. And it was in the neighborhood of three minutes, and then we sort of regrouped. And I came back, repeated the news, if I'm not mistaken, and then I threw to a 22- or 23-minute obituary, mm-hmm. legacy piece uh, that had already been uh, been prepared. And it was a you know, comprehensive look at his life, his achievement, his family, and his legacy. And from there, we had you know, a list that we'd already thought about of people, friends, peers that we would call. And from that point forward, Golf Channel was essentially a home. Yeah. It was it was a warm home for the golf community, for the golf world to come, walk in, sit down, listen to stories, share their memories, and grieve mm-hmm. and laugh and uh, and remember Arnold. And you know what I had heard in in the ensuing days was that it was therapeutic, and uh, and I think it was. And from my standpoint. You're somewhere caught between grieving and working. Well, yeah, focus that's, that's and focusing. Yeah. yeah, and focusing. And uh, I went till I guess it was about a five-hour stint till maybe two in the morning Central Time. I, I can't quite remember the specifics. And then Kelly took over from the studio in Orlando. Mm-hmm. We were live, and then I went back to the hotel, slept a few hours, and came back at 8 in the morning central time to continue the coverage. And I I do recall I was in the hotel room and I had just a few hours sleep. And I, one of those kind of moments, sad man moments, just uh, um, your own mortality, the the sadness of of it. And I had the shaving cream on. I'm in my boxers and a a T-shirt and just, looking in the mirror and my face is hanging off and I started thinking about Arnold and then I, I kind of thought about my dad who passed you know, a few years ago and that generation that the book is closing mm-hmm. on, on a generation that I love 
and I just started bawling. Yeah. And, you know, had to kind of regroup and just have one of those those moments. You get a little bit older, you have them now and then. Because, you know, you just can't, you just can't stop the tidal wave of time. It just, <laughs> you're, you're more aware of it as you get into your 50s. It just doesn't, it's relentless. Mm-hmm. And you'd like to put up the stop sign, but you know you can't. Yeah. And uh, Arnold was such a good man. You know, I, I think of the guys that I knew from that generation. They were just like my dad. They're just good guys. Mm-hmm. They were um, simple, good guys. And uh, Arnold loved people. He was loved back. I think, uh, you know, people, someone said this to me, Courtney Holt, uh, you know, was one of our MVPs at the Golf Channel. She's in charge of player relations and does so much. But Courtney said, what a life he lived. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, you, you go to a funeral and sometimes you'll hear that, well, he or she never knew how loved they were. Mm-hmm. Well, in Arnold's case, he absolutely he knew. knew. He knew. Had to have known how, how deeply and widely loved, loved he was. And, and those who loved him knew he loved them back. Sure. And what, I don't know what more could you ask for, um, you know, at, at the end of it all. Yeah, and so, well, and so I'll ask you this last question about him, and then we'll move, sort, we'll move on a little bit to sort of bigger picture stuff on how crazy of a year this has been. But... You know, then we go right from the news of the death, which was, you know, took a while for everybody to get a, get a, get over and then rolled into the Ryder Cup. But as I mentioned, we roll out and then back into his memorial service. And I know you and Kelly did a great job up there at Latrobe uh, for the memorial service. Was that, you know, y- you saw Charlie Meacham get up there and talk about, hey, this isn't sad. It should be a celebration. And it turned out to be. Um, but funerals and memorial services it, by nature are sad. How did you... Um, by that point, you know, how were, were you dealing with it? And was it, was it more, yeah. did you feel like it was more of a celebration? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, Charlie's wonderful. Oh, he's great. Uh, yeah. He just has a, an ease about yeah. him. There's a comfort in his voice and, and, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, at, at times I laugh you know, mm-hmm. with everyone else whatever the story may have been for many of the speakers. And then when Vince Gill played, you've got a friend. Oh yeah. That gets the you. puddles came. I, <laughs> I cried. You know, I me mean, just, it's life. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to tell somebody how they should feel. That's, sure. that's personal, but I experienced the range of emotions. I mean, there was comfort in knowing that it was as the, his uh, book, uh, says uh, a life well played. Mm-hmm. A life well lived, and I guess the book is coming out today, tomorrow. Um, and I, I had the good fortune to actually do the the audio book. Oh, awesome! Ar- Arnold's memoirs, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, Macmillan will will have it out any any day, maybe today. I, I should know that. But anyway, so the the memorial service I thought was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. They they had all the right notes, and what was really poignant was. Uh, in the aftermath, everybody had filed out, and St. Vincent Basilica Parish is magnificent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something you would see in Europe. If you get to Latrobe, and someone said Latrobe could sort of be uh, like Graceland in a way. Mm. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. That's and, interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, a, a destination. And if, if somebody's going through Latrobe at some point, I would, I would say go to St. Vincent. Just ha- have a 
a few minutes inside the basilica there. It goes back, the parish actually goes back to the 1700s, the, the actual building to the early 1900s. And anyway, people had filed out, and it was just this gorgeous day. It was pure Pennsylvania, crisp blue sky, temperature maybe in the 60s. And everybody had gathered, and Pete Luster, his pilot for all those years, had been doing flyovers. And he came around for one last flyover, and everybody was gathered, and their heads were looking skyward. Mm-hmm. And he flew over, and then he pointed the nose up, mm-hmm. and he went straight up to the heavens. And Steve Wheatcroft, one of the young players who was there, said, it was as if the plane had taken Arnold to heaven. It just went up and up and up and then disappeared. Yeah. And Indeed. it was a very powerful sort of final mm-hmm. final act. And uh, I, was gra- I was gratified to see Ricky and Bubba yeah. and uh, Tim Heron and Billy Horschel and Matt Every and yep. Greg Owen and John Fenden. Uh, with uh, Phil Mickelson and, and uh, Billy Andred and Lanny Watkins and Jack Nicholas, and uh, you know, it, it was a great yeah. uh, outpouring of love and an acknowledgement of the importance of of Arnold uh, and and simply what a good man he was. Yeah, and, uh, it was a it was a lovely goodbye. That's that's beautiful. Well, let's before before we move on to. Um, the summer, I, I did want to, I did want to congratulate you there, Richie. A little uh, a Lou Klein Award for yeah. um, media excellence or doing a, a job well done from Temple, the School of Media and Communications from Temple. Yeah. This past weekend, oh, you were um, you were hanging with Tina Fey, is that correct? Well, yeah, I don't know. If, I, I don't know if hanging. I don't yeah. know. If hanging is the proper the right. proper word, but you were well, you spent some time yeah. with Tina Fey. Tina was sort of the keynote honoree. Tina's actually from suburban Philadelphia, Upper Darby. And uh, Tina uh, did a, a Q&A with the students first at like 9.30 in the morning, and I, I was able to, to go to that. She had some really good advice. If doors not open, wherever you're trying to get in, go find the basement window and get in that way. <laughs> and, you know, hard work, less ass kissing, be confident, uh, just really good sensible advice. Uh, Tina grew up in Upper Darby. She went to the University of Virginia. Her father uh, actually went to Temple. That's the connection to the university. Her father came out of the Korean War and and went to the uh, School of Communications, became a journalist. And uh, uh, Tina's brother worked for QVC, so he was in the business. He went to Temple, and he introduced her and just talked about what a funny household it was growing up. Uh, And and she uh, spoke really, as you would guess really humorously about Philadelphia and how mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphians uh, have a, a strong bullshit meter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they'll call bullshit if I could say, I just said it anyway, <laughs> but you don't mind, JC. They, That's they'll the way. Call it's, it on it's, you. Yeah, we're fine. Go yeah, back. they'll call it's it on you. Uh, they'll call it on you when they see it. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, a, it was a great day. And my family was there and had uh, tremendous support from uh, Golf Channel. And, and Comcast, and uh, you know, just when you get uh, how many years in, in the business, uh, <laughs> it, it, those days are nice. Yeah. And uh, I love Temple; was uh, great to me. It, it opened up a whole new world. 
I covered big five basketball games. I worked at this, uh, the, a, a really famous uh, legendary college radio station called The Point, WRTI. And it's a, a jazz, it was primarily jazz back in the day. Now I think it's split jazz and classical music. But to work there as a student in the 80s was, uh, was just an incredible scene. It was the local jazz guru spinning Coltrane while dorks like me did sports updates. <laughs> I mean, it was just this this beautiful mix of people. Yeah. And then I was lucky enough to to have uh, been able to do play-by-play college basketball while I was in school at the Palestra. And growing up in the area, you know, the, in, in that time, a city series games were, were the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, they were electric. Yeah. A, yeah. A Temple against St. Joe's, Villanova against Penn. My dad went to Penn, so... So he took us to the Palestra, the four learner boys, you know, from the time we were, you know, 8, 10, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. He always used to point, he, uh, he played as a freshman, he always used to point at the picture. They had team pictures around the concourse, and we always went and hunt. We hunted for Pop's picture. <laughs> and uh, those were great days. And uh, uh, so it was uh, always uh, it's always good to go back to Philadelphia. I love the city. That's beautiful. Well, well-deserved. Congratulations. That's, Thanks, uh, Jason. That's yeah, a big nice deal. That's, appreciate that. That's awesome. Let's, um, I don't need to break down big event by big event, but, you know, part of me, when I get thinking about it, part of me feels like March was two days ago, and part mm. of me feels like March was 10 years ago. Um, we kind of always knew that the Masters was going to roll into the players, roll into the U.S. Open, into the Open, into the PGA, the Olympics, the Ryder Cup. Here we are. We thought this was going to be a big week because of Tiger. That's now no longer the case. What are sort of the, the, you know, when we sit down at the end of the year here, which is not too oh. far away, and you reflect, um, what are the, what are the, the, the two All or right. three things that are going to yeah. really, really stick with you? All right. Well, I'm going to give you my, my theme of the year. I'm going to go, I don't know if you're going to buy oh. this or not. <laughs> well, I'll and tell I hope you. I, don't, I hope I don't terribly offend <laughs> any of the great young players, whom I believe also are, are great young men. Yeah. But I don't think this was their finest year. They had good years, and, and it had great moments. But I think this was the year of the grown man. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, it, it primarily goes to, to the Olympics and uh, all the negativity swirling around the Olympics. But it, it filtered into some of the other tournaments. So the year of the grown man, it was mm-hmm. Stenson. 63 to beat Mickelson 65 at the Open. Mm-hmm. It was Dustin Johnson growing up and becoming a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not just this year, but over the course of the last couple of years, and jumping over some legitimate obstacles to win a rugged U.S. Open at Oakmont. Mm-hmm. It was Justin Rose leading the brigade to Rio and winning gold over Henrik when most of the younger stars said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I, I sort of dubbed this the year the, the grown man. Uh, I felt that most acutely in the run-up to the Olympics. Yeah. I was pro-Olympic Games. I thought it, it could be a huge, or, or among the best Grow the Game initiative mm-hmm. uh, that, that we've rolled out. Time will tell. Sure. Uh, but I felt like the young players missed an opportunity. And, and I know they were fed information. Sure. Um, 
that was very negative and some of it was alarming. But while they were equivocating and waffling, the lights of Stenson and Rose bought in from the start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, couple that with what happened to Jordan at the Masters. Yeah. Um, it was the year of, of, of the, the grown man, the mature man. And I, I think, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I, my hunch is that, it, you know, a, an older Jordan Spieth would, would probably go to the Olympics. Yeah. And I thought he really had a chance to be Captain America. I would agree with that. In, in, in that moment in time, uh, you know, he, and, and Captain America, I don't mean to minimize Zika because it is a threat, but sure. Captain America is not afraid of a little mosquito. Stenson <laughs> himself said that, right? I'm not afraid of a little mosquito. Sure. And maybe it wasn't just, I know Jordan said it wasn't just the Zika. I want to be clear on that. So yep. what he didn't specify. So if it was security, whatever it may have been, I'm sure his people presented him with the information. And based upon that, he made the decision. Mm -hmm. I feel as though there are people who, who were advising uh, may not have fully understood what they mean when they say the Olympic bubble, that when you go to these Olympic games, you're kind of in a protective bubble. Yeah. And we yeah. certainly experienced that when we were down there. Mm -hmm. Our hotel, you couldn't get to our hotel unless you Correct. were in one of those vans and had a special pass. And, yeah. Uh, everything was pretty much locked down. Yeah. And once everyone arrived at the Olympics and jumped into the experience, you heard what the players had to say. It was Truman. one of the greatest experiences of, of their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And Jordan in that moment at the Troon, when he made his announcement, had he gone in front of the world and said, look, are there risks? There are risks wherever you go in this world, unfortunately, mm -hmm. nowadays. But I think this is a good time to try to bring countries together. Yeah. And, there is no better place to do that than the Olympic Games. I am going to represent the country that I love, mm -hmm. that has afforded me and my family so many opportunities. I'm going to represent the sport that I love. I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with the 10,000 other athletes of the Olympic Games. I'm all in. Yeah. Had he said that, yeah. he would have been the man of the year. Absolutely. He would have been Captain America. He, he still can be. He's he a wonderful even, young yeah. man and a, and, and, and a, and a phenomenal player. Yeah. I just feel objectively, and, and you may have a different opinion who's ever listening, mm -hmm. that, he, that they missed yeah. an opportunity. And again, I know that their decision was based on the information they had at that time. But Rose went I comfortably. Stenson yeah. went comfortably. Fowler, Bubba, they all went. Right. And uh, anyway, so so that, that's my overarching theme is the year of the, the grown man. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would say, you know, in terms of ranking the stories, I know you, you and, and your team do a, a top stories of the year. I would probably say um, uh, one would be speed at the Masters. Yes. Uh, I think two. And you could this is where it gets dicey. I don't know. You know, two through five. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll mix the order up. I would say. Uh, uh, would be the Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. I think the impact's far-reaching. And, and don't forget, that was a story that was a three, four-month story. Who's oh, in? Yeah. Who's not? Oh, yeah. Are you playing? You're, you're not. Uh, and it was a surprise hit. Uh, it, it exceeded everyone's expectations. So two Olympics, I'll say three is, three or four, it's a toss-up. 
between, you go, uh, Dustin at Oakmont in the controversy with the USGA. Yeah. Uh, Henrik shooting 63 to yeah, beat Phil, Oakland. final round true, and then Ryder Cup five. Yeah. So I, I those five that. are probably on the men's side. I don't want to shortchange women. I cover the men's game primarily. So I would say those are the five stories. Yeah, I can I can live with yeah, I can live with that. I, I think mean, those are the I think those are the those are, are clearly the five. You know, you, you we could you could debate till the cows come home order, but I think I think you're probably right there. I think that, that speed thing at the Masters is <laughs> Just for sheer drama, and, and I think it's just gonna—you're gonna have a hard time beating that, no matter what. And I was at the Olympics, like you remember. I mean, we we went to swimming together, and we're both almost in in tears by watching Michael Phelps yeah. and Katie Ledecky win. And I don't—I don't consider myself an emotional guy. I, no. uh, you know, I—I I think the Olympics is probably second. You can make a case that it's number one because, you know, I was. And I've said this too. I, I didn't say it too openly before because I wanted to go. But I was a huge swimmer growing up. So when it comes to the Olympics, I, I mean, I've been Rowdy Gaines in 1984 when I was 11 years old. I was a part-time swimmer at that time, and him winning in LA, um, the gold medal in the hundred free, that I was, mm. I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked, and had never gone to the Olympics. Well, then. You know, with golf being in the Olympics, that provided an opportunity for me to go to something that I had always wanted to go to, although I was late to the game with, it took me a while to buy in with golf in the Olympics. And even when I went down there, I was excited about it, but I was hesitant for all the reasons that we don't need to hash up, right? And all the, you know, it's never going to be the biggest thing. It's never, you know, these guys aren't, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't caught up in it, but I understood but still, when I got down there and just, you know, I, I didn't do half the things that Ricky and Bubba did, but I went to a lot of sports. I had some pretty good access that, I, you know, we don't need to talk about. But you and I, we had, you can't, you cannot have gone and seen what we saw during those two weeks there and say that it was not an overwhelming success. You, you cannot say those words. Anybody with a brain in their head can't say that agree. that was a bad thing. By the way, let me, let me amend our top five and make it six and number one probably not i think has to be the passing of arnold i just yeah wow yeah i just sort of like hey yeah we talked uh, about it for the first what yeah exactly. yeah i mean i i think you know given his his impact on the game contributions to the sport uh arnold's Absolutely. passing probably Absolutely. is the story yeah. story you know of the year and then Absolutely. after that and you can Absolutely. go ahead and, and rank it but yeah I, I agree i think going forward jay i think uh the uh, uh Playing in an Olympic Games, representing your country, will become a paramount goal for almost every player. Correct. Uh, current player and, and players who aspire uh, you know, to be among the best if they're 10, 11 years old now. Uh, I would say it will be uh, win a major, uh, uh, represent your country, and mm -hmm. maybe win a, a gold medal, and mm -hmm. then play in your international team competition, you know, Absolutely. Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, President's Cup. I think it's a legitimate goal. Uh, I think it's it's right up there among the, the great achievements, it w or it will be mm -hmm. as time goes by. It, it will be considered but not just by us, but by the players to be among uh, the, the great achievements uh, in, in their careers. And I yeah, because it only comes along once every four years. There's no guarantee that mm -hmm. you'll ever get there. You may be injured. You may be in a slump and get passed by. Mm -hmm. Only 60 players. Uh, yeah. So it's a big deal. Uh, that's, I think that you know won't be lost on the players going forward. 
All right, Richie, we've been um, we've been doing this for close to a half hour, and I, and I won't. I don't want to. Did we miss anything? No, 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 we, we didn't well, miss anything. I don't well, think. no, no, we haven't. But here, I I, I want to make a point that we did did not talk about Tiger Woods. I don't I don't want to talk about Tiger Woods. I and Why? look seriously, you, you know, I'm not suggesting we talk about it. I want to make a point that we have had plenty to talk about for a half hour. Without yeah, we came well, up with I, the six big stories of the year. We came up with all that stuff without without talking about Tiger Woods, and I feel that that that's, that's what do you? Not a bad I mean, thing. let me. I'm just curious, JC. What do you, what do you think? What do you think of the withdrawal? Um, I um, I on well, on, on, on Friday. No, no, no. I, on Friday, he was well enough to play on Thursday, but on Monday, he's not well enough to play for two more months. Um, that's weird. What, what's going on? Yeah, we we can ask that know. question, and I, it's rhetorical I, because we're not going to get an answer. No, That's the I, thing. We just don't know. Anybody I, who says correct. they know uh, is lying. They know. No one knows. Correct. You're left to wonder what what vulnerable. Look, let, let me, I may say that, that word. That hurt. To, it hurt to read that word from Tiger. Yeah, Lewis. I mean, is, does does that mean he's uh, chunking chips, blading chips? I don't know. Yeah. Does that mean he? Can't put his tee ball on the map. Correct. I don't know. Does that mean that we, he's we, afraid to hit to, to take a swing in in public? Does it mean I I, I don't I I'm you, with you. you know there are a couple of things you know. can say here. One one is this funk that he's he's been in is as extreme and hard to fathom, hard to figure as uh, the the dominant decade. That was that was hard to explain, to, and this is right, hard to explain. Right to be to be that dominant, you know, it, it was extreme greatness, mm -hmm. and it was almost impossible to explain that mm -hmm. someone could be that good uh, uh, for that period of time, mm -hmm. so consistently week in week out, blow your mind. Yep. And we, I always, when people ask me about Tiger, I always say, look. You know, before we get to the what's wrongs and and is he going to come back and all that, just just stop and you have to acknowledge how spectacular, Correct. special, all time he was. Correct. You you win twenty five percent of your career starts. You are a four twenty lifetime hitter in baseball. Period. Mm -hmm. Fred Couples wins what three four percent of his career starts and is in the Hall of Fame. Correct. If Hall of Fame is if four percent Hall of Fame, then twenty four five percent is something it's nobody can really comprehend. So yeah. let's you, you'll get and, and would we like to have him back? Yes. Would do I wish him well? Of course. Sure. But but we simply don't know. And mm -hmm. and I uh, I've always been of the mind. You know, we did this story at the Masters in twenty fifteen that this is not simply a physical recovery. This no. is not a recovery no. from. Sure back issues that's part of it this is a recovery uh, um, uh from uh, an emotional trauma mm -hmm. of of what is it now six seven years ago yeah uh, you know and that's what we know i don't know a whole lot i know he was great yep i know he had an emotional trauma mm -hmm. related to the the accident uh, the, the the scandal yep uh and outside of that i don't I don't know a whole lot. I don't either. <laughs> I, I really don't. And uh, I wish him well. Absolutely. And I wasn't, frankly, I was not that surprised. I wasn't either. That, that he pulled out. And um, I, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's puzzling. 
Yeah. Um, it is. But there you go. Um, All so right, buddy. Um, lots here, to talk about, JC. This is what we're this is this is what we're going to do. One final thing with the last couple minutes here. Well, it's a podcast, so it's endless. We could do this for two hours. We're not going to, but we could. So there's not a hard out here. And in your speak, Richie, there is not a hard out. But good TV I lingo. I do want to tell you good TV <laughs> lingo. I do want to tell you that about 15 years ago, you and I didn't know each other from from anybody, but we were stuck in a dinner outside of Winter Park at Houston's Restaurant, and um, I was with my colleague at Golf Week at the time, Jeff Rude. We rolled up at a table. You were there with some Golf Channel guys. This was long before. I've been here for eight and a half years, although, by the way, already, and this was long before I started working here in, uh, in 2008, and you, um, you, were going, you were going off as one Vin Scully. Rich Lerner was doing a mean, mean Vin Scully. Or it was a mean Vin Scully. And well, I know that you've done it many be, times since. Yeah. But was it no, the Vin at the restaurant? Was it Vin Scully at an Italian restaurant with Tommy Lasorda? It was. And it, Joey it was, Amal yeah, it was, um, So, so I guess what I'm saying <laughs> is here, and Vin, Vin's as relevant now as he was that day 15 years ago because of, uh, you know, because of the last couple weeks. So I, I would, I, I wonder, Richie, if for this last minute you can, uh, uh, you can take us out of the Monday Scramble podcast. As Vin Scully, and before we do that, I want to thank you for everything, buddy. Um, JC, thanks you know, for your friendship. Congra uh, congrats on your award and and, thanks, uh, and everything. So um, yeah, so, uh, thanks let, for let's your, hear. your your support. Well, let me just give you because I can't do anything in ten seconds because you're wondering about the Tommy Lasorda bit, and this is a little. I mean, this is a little locker roomish. Sure, but What sure. the hell? We're on a podcast, so <laughs> the the bit was. Um, Tommy Lasorda and the Dodger team, they were down at Vero Beach at spring training, and they went out for Italian food. And Tommy Lasorda turned to his third base coach, Joey Amalfitano, and he must have had some sausage and peppers that was a little too spicy. And he said to Joey, pull my finger. And in one huge thunderclap, the Dodgers skipper cleared the entire restaurant. That's uh, wrong. That's, but anyway, do you know beautiful. what I always loved about Vin? Do you know Vin back when he golfed? <laughs> and the key with Vin is the vowels. You know, he, yeah. with the elocution was just so perfect. But if you remember the old uh, tournament at Kapalua, it took Vin like 20 minutes just to get through the hello. Yeah. Welcome to the Mazda Kapalua. International brought to you by Subaru with two car sponsors, Mazda and Subaru. And with that, we've come to the end of the Monday Scramble with the great Jay Coffin at GolfChannel.com. So long, everybody. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Richie. We'll um, we'll catch I'll up with you soon. All right, everybody. All right, that wraps bye -bye. it up for this uh, special edition of the Monday Scramble. Thanks a lot for listening. Keep it locked on GolfChannel.com. Take care, everybody. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using seventy-five percent recycled and renewable materials, making a difference today for future generations? That's what really matters. Bridgestone solutions for your journey. Visit WhatReallyMatters.com to learn more. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.